The ones who were going to do the special today weren't feeling very well, or half of them weren't, I guess, feeling very well. So uh, just keep an eye on the bulletin when your special comes up. There's also a list back there. They were ready, but not, it didn't work out. So you just get me an extra nine minutes. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we, we could come here and, and just worship you together and study your word. Um, we ask, Lord, for your direction, uh, your guidance uh, in our lives. Help us to always be that, that light, uh, reflecting your glory, um, pointing others to you, Lord. Um, help us to, to keep it simple in the sense of remembering the truth of the gospel and being willing to share it with others. And we ask for your guidance now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, and in, in a few weeks to come, I hope to elaborate and encourage you from God's Word concerning the future, and with that, our present hope. This week, I, I was with some pastors discussing where we go from here, if indeed COVID is in the rearview mirror, uh, and if you look at the current news, it, it doesn't necessarily look that way. <laughs> Uh, but in, also in light of the cultural climate that we have today, and there's a lot that we, we see in the news, a lot that's taking place that needs much prayer. And when it causes us to ponder, we should always be keeping our eyes on Christ and what the Word of God says. Um, one pastor I I've, I've grew, grew up knowing, uh, he was in charge of a camp, he likes to tell himself, and, and we had this question as pastors, you know, what do I need to change or what do I need to do as a pastor? And he said about himself, keep it simple, stupid. That is, we can make it more complicated than it needs to be. And I can do that. I think I've done that uh, at times. Last week we tried to cover a lot of ground, and this week I'm trying to keep it simple, but uh, it, it's complicated at times to try to keep it simple. And so there's a lot that we may go over that really needs reinforced. And I believe many of you, if not hopefully all of you, have had uh, the instruction from the Word of God through Sunday school and past preaching. And so if there is a question, I, I encourage you to let me know. But I'm going to try to keep it simple. And our focus, really, he said, our focus is on mainly as you go forward, no matter what's going on in the culture, is are we going to stay in the Word? Are we going to read the Word? Are you reading the Word of God daily? And I want to encourage you as well to memorize Scripture. Are we staying in prayer? Are we a people of prayer? And are we reaching our neighbors? I need to make sure I don't uh, make these easy to topics difficult, but while doing that, I want to focus on some difficult truths, hopefully not getting us confused, and I think um, uh, it's really easy to try to move too fast. And so I'm going to try not to move too fast, but uh, so pray for me. 
But we're going to try to, to learn some major doctrinal truths. There are difficulties within it, and if you have questions, please talk to me at some point in time or talk to one of our leaders. I believe they're all very solid, founded upon the Word of God. And, and yet, you know, trying to keep it simple, I'm convicted that we need to keep teaching and preaching what the Bible truly is, does get into. So with all that in mind, I, I felt convicted to in the last couple of weeks to, to really focus on, and, and many of you may be familiar with Dr. David Jeremiah's book in 2008, What in the World is Going On? And he's had a couple other studies that have come out very similar to that. And it seems like he's able to keep it simple. But we'll try to keep it simple while at the same time delving into some of these truths that really bring hope. And that's what I want to, to, to help deliver from the Word of God. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 24 here in just one moment. While, and and while, while we're deviating from as we started a series, as we're looking towards Easter, the life of Christ, or there's life in Christ. Underneath that, we find a lot of His teaching, and Jesus taught a lot about the future. Matthew 24-25, through 25, we see Him giving us some prophecy, the future. And in this passage, there's really the, the setting we see how we can look at it and we can see how the stage is being set. Right? Our, our cardinals, they're bobcats, cardinals in disguise, I suppose. One state this year and one axe, right? Right? And, and it's one axe, so you just set the stage once, but in between you have so much time to set up the stage. And it's preparing to see the main act. And so with that in mind, we know what the main act will, will have in Matthew 24 and 25. Look at chapter 24 in comparison with Revelations chapter 6. And if you need help with that, I have a little comparison for you. But there's a comparison to what takes place. And, and it is largely focused upon what's going to happen in Israel, in Judea, as you look in this passage of Matthew 24 down verse 15 and 16 and verse 16 it says then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains so speaking about Israel still being placed or Judea still being a place of purpose also that Israel still exists and while the church is grafted in we have not replaced Israel Israel still exists and is still a focal point of God's divine uh, purpose and plan, still a part of His prophecy. And going back to the illustration here of setting the stage, when we look especially at Matthew 24, as John MacArthur states, we find or it, the things that happen here will be unique to the end times in detail, in sequence, in scale, and in extent. Some of the events such as the disruption of the physical universe in verse 29 of chapter 24 will be completely unique. Yet, we see on a smaller scale the possibility of these things taking place. And that's why I'm saying the stage 
is being set. And so when we look at these, let's, let's look at the passage. Pastor, we're supposed to be studying the Word of God. Let's look at verse 8 of Matthew 24. I am trying to set the stage for you in the sense of helping you understand that while this is speaking about the tribulation, that when we see these things happening in the tribulation as those birth pangs take place, uh, it says in verse 8 of Matthew 24, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And he's, Jesus is speaking to the disciples specifically about what's going to take place in the tribulation. But when you see these things taking place in the tribulation and we see the possibility today, we can say, oh yeah, I see. Oh yeah, that could happen. Verse 1, Jesus came out from the temple This is the week, Passion Week, and he had been teaching. He comes out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, "Do Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And so for the disciples, they're looking at, at, at these beautiful buildings. Perhaps it'd be like us going to Lincoln and looking at the Capitol building. Have you ever been in there? It's kind of neat. I remember as a youth going up to the very top and getting a little sick. I hadn't been that high before. And looking out. Galawoozy. That happened again, you know, there when we went to the arch. I didn't like that one at all. I'm not good with heights. Looking at these grand buildings, you know, go to Washington, D.C. and look at these grand buildings. And Jesus brings them back to the point, hey, these things, they're going to be destroyed. Yes, indeed, they were destroyed in 70 A.D. But they, uh, there's going to be much more that takes place. A new temple, more destruction. But verse 3, this brings their question. So they go out to the Mount of Olives. So the Olivet Discourse. In verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, notice these questions, okay? Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus answered and said to them, Okay. So he's talking about what's going to happen in the end times. And so coming back to verse 8, talk about birth pangs, the, the pains that are come on them or on the time. And birth pangs, I believe, is the best translation for the word. The Greek word, gives, it, it comes along with the idea of birth pains. And when you look at the tribulation and look at the, the, the events of, of the judgments of God, they're going to happen more severely as time goes through those seven years and more rapidly. But also it gives to us the idea if these things are going to happen then, what should we be looking for? What gives us the idea that God is still in control? Because many of us can step back and say, man, things are going crazy. I don't know what is happening. Does God... <laughs> I mean, even look at at some of his faithful teachers and some of the things that have transpired, as I mentioned last week. And I, well, God, you know, God was not caught off guard; he was not surprised. And praise the Lord, God uses 
many people in different ways, even though there may be a fallout for some of the bad things that transpire. Now, there's a lot of different views, and and I can't get into it. We don't have enough time. I do simply want to point out that this points to the tribulation and what's going to take place within the tribulation. It speaks to, especially after verse 15, Jacob's trouble, and to the Jews in Judea again. And therefore, that is why I say to you, keep an eye on Israel and know God is in control. If we're looking around at the world today and say, well, is God still in control? One thing we can do as we start this series is look, is Israel still in existence? First and foremost, the people. Now, there's those who are Jews, born Jew, that are not religiously Jewish. And sadly, there's a lot messed up in their political and theological leanings. There's Messianic Jews. But there's also the nation and the the place. Um, Pardon me, skip page here. And again, the reason we should look at Israel is that it gives us this encouragement after what we've seen happen in the 1900s They still exist. (laughs) Um, Romans chapter 9, verse 6, going on to chapter 11, I just want to point out a verse here to you. 11.1, he talks about the Jews. He talks about our role. He talks about not all Jews are really Jews. That is, they have not turned to their Messiah. Someday they will. I'm getting ahead in my notes. But chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I say then, God has not rejected His people, has He? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know that the Scripture says in, this, in the passage about Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel? And it goes on. But the idea here is, I mean, he would give his, his life if, if his, his nation, his people would turn to Jesus and someday they will those who are here. But the reality is, and and what I want you really to see here, is if we're looking for hope, just look out at the world today and see that Israel exists. The Jewish people exist. You know, Wednesday, January 27th, I think it was Wednesday, was Holocaust Remembrance Day. The Holocaust... And even in Russia, in other places throughout the world, in different times, different places, they have not extinguished the Jewish people. You need to, we need to ask ourselves, why is there such a hatred for the Jewish people? Today, we see within the geographical location of Israel that had been promised to him, Getting ahead in my notes here just a little bit, but Genesis, why is Genesis important? God gave them an unconditional covenant starting with Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob of land, seed, and blessing. And today we see there's Israelites within the land, and within the land, as of January 26th, there is 8,733,044 
Jews or Israelites within Israel. It has grown. But they exist. They exist as a people. They exist as a nation. Isaiah 66.8. Would you turn there? Isaiah 66.8. May 14, 1948, Israel was reborn. That moment, Christians across the world who really believe in the Word of God, who try to interpret it correctly, could say, Whoa! (laughs) Wow! God is doing something amazing! And here we are, however many years later, and we may, uh, whatever. (laughs) We see all these other things taking place. They had just come out of World War II. Man, the world's messed up. When's the Lord going to return? Is He ever going to come? First Peter, you know, they talk about, or Second Peter, you know, people laugh and scoff. Well, it hasn't happened yet. But it can, and it will. And we have a testimony today, even outside the Word of God, that says God is still in control. Look, Isaiah 66.8. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Israel was born practically, basically, in one day, May 14, 1948, Israel was reborn. But no matter what, we find the ultimate fulfillment will be when Jesus returns. Turn with me to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. Honestly, as I, I struggled with this message this week, there's just so much that I wanted to go over. And then as I tried to think of, well, should I do this? Should I do that? I kind of put it off. And then I didn't get my, the best things I would have liked to put in here. It's just so exciting. Jeremiah 32, 37 through 38 says, Behold, I will gather them out of all the lands to which I have driven them in my anger, in my wrath, and in, my, in great indignation, and I will bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. Uh, And it goes on, I just simply want to point out, they exist. Don't be downcast. Don't be disheartened. You know, the Holocaust was real. There are many recorded first-hand accounts online and filed because there's extremists of all stripes who rise up to refute and deny that the Holocaust exists, existed or happened. Uh, some even seem to embrace it. And, and use it in their anti-Semitic march. Uh, one interesting uh, story, Marcel Marceau, uh, he's a common face. Right? He was, when he was a teenager, the vicious anti Jewish riot swept across Germany known as Kristallnacht, which I probably mispronounced, Night of Broken Glass. 
which was a, a large-scale riot where Jewish homes and businesses were looted and destroyed. Jews were beaten by the thousands and many were killed. And by the end of the night, 35,000 were hauled off to the concentration camps beginning that nightmare. A wealthy Strasbourg woman bought 123 Jewish orphans. She bought them from the Nazis and brought them to France. They lived on the border of France. Uh, um, Marcel did and his, his cousin George Longer, which I've mispronounced, I'm sure. He, George, his cousin, was the head of the Boy Scouts in France. He and Marcel began to take care of them, and Marcel used his talents to calm the kids down because they spoke German, and Marcel and his cousin spoke uh, French. There was a language barrier, and so he used his mime skills to calm these kids down. When France was invaded in 1940, they fled to Lyon, uh, Lyon France, and then because of the Butcher of Lyon, Closing in, they, they helped the kids in small groups escape to Switzerland, which was being guarded by Jewish, the SS soldiers. But he'd take them group by group over the, the hills, and he'd use his mime skills. And you're saying, well, who is he? Well, uh, you remember on the black and white, he's the one that's very famous for going against the wind and doing the... I think they made a movie, I don't know if it's good or not, or what it's rated, Resistance, here in 2019 about his life. But he helped the kids escape. He would, there, he would wait at the train station uh, in Poland because his father was taken to Auschwitz and he hoped his father would return. His father never returned. Yet God has preserved a remnant. And so, while we keep our eyes firmly fixed on Christ, running the race with endurance, we should also keep in mind over here to the right, Israel. Because of that, we know Jesus is still in control. The Lord God is still in control. And we can continue to run this race. Second, we need to keep one eye on Israel because Israel is still part of the plan and they will be persecuted. Um, I probably should have had Genesis 12, 1 through 3 again, but I just want to remind you of this promise um, that God gave Abraham and really to all the nations several times throughout his word beginning here in this passage in 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's home to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In the blessing there, of course, we see Christ who will come from the Jewish people who would come from the line of David. He is a blessing as we find eternal salvation through him, but also the fact and a true fact that those who bless Abraham's descendants, who are friends to Abraham's descendants, 
God will indeed bless. And so it's pivotal that Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem. And it was pivotal when Truman saw the birth of Israel that we would remain a friend of Israel. I think it's crucial that we fight not only for Israel, but against anti-Semitism. Israel will be persecuted. All right, my slide's not moving. Here we go to the next one. We need to fight anti-Semitism. 2016 to 17, there was, and that's a few years back, it's sometimes hard to find uh, the information I want. It's probably right under my nose, but uh, just a couple years ago, right? There was a 57% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. 50% of the hate crimes in America against religious minorities in 2016 were against Jewish people. On January 6th, uh, when we saw the riot, there's a whole bunch of different people within that riot, and there's a lot of stuff being sorted out. But there's a picture of a man with a Camp Auschwitz shirt. I'm not sure what it symbolized, but I don't think it's good. Who knows? In twisted thinking. But why? But all we do know is anti-Semitic, or anti-Semitism is continually on the rise. And on the rise not only in the world, but in the U.S. People still deny the Holocaust where six million Jews were hunted down and killed. Six million. I like what the Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy says, or popular Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy says, anti-Semitism in any form, active or passive, whether it is racial, ethnic, national, economic, political, religious, or theological, is all part of the satanic strategy to avoid the second coming. So what I'm saying to you today, if there were no Israelites, if there were no Jews, then we could say, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Of course, there's been replacement theology. There's there's other theologies say, oh, we can work around that. The church is Israel. No, we are not Israel because there's specific prophecy in Scripture concerning Jewish people. Even Romans 9 through 11 speaks. Paul speaks about this. But the thing is, Satan doesn't want Jesus to come back. Who drives anti-Semitism? Demonic forces of Satan. Of course, we're sinners. We don't need any help. Racism does happen. Uh, there's a lot of debate about you know all this and that. I think there's. I, I'm not going to get into it. I think there's a lot of pathetic things out there uh, on this topic. But it is alive regardless of that. But anti-Semitism today will transpire into the Antichrist tomorrow. And yes, while the Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel, he will break it three and a half years in. And you see in Revelations as well as in other passages, Matthew 24, 15, where he will set himself up as God and begin to seek to destroy the Jews in Israel. 
So in verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. It's going to get very serious very fast. And he's speaking about the Jews needing to run. This preserve their lives. And God will miraculously intervene to save most or many. But why would Jesus speak about the Jews in this prophecy if they did not exist? They exist here today. And the reality is that should give us an idea that God is in control. God's plan is not thwarted. We can trust in Him. If that's one thing we can take away, it is good, isn't it? But I also want to encourage you, look at this. In Scripture, we find that they will return not only to the land, but they will turn to Jesus. They will return to the land. Jeremiah 32, 37-38. I already read that passage and to move on a little faster. Um, Yes, they returned to the land in the 1900s. And God has miraculously, just think about June 5th, 1967, Arab nations came against Israel and attacked her. And they were vastly outnumbered, vastly outgunned. And I believe God miraculously intervened to preserve the nation of Israel. This war reshaped Israel. And while they... They even won the Temple Mount. They didn't occupy it, but they did go up. Now they go up to the Wailing Wall. But they exist. And yet, even if what had happened in the 1900s to bring her about as a nation, even if they are pushed out of the land throughout the world today, there's Israelites. Lord God will establish them as a nation before or within the tribulation. Because they play a major part. But what's exciting? Psalm 2.6. Turn with me to Psalm 2.6. Is there a prophecy in Psalm? Yeah. There's about the Savior. About Israel. Hopefully I wrote down the right passage. I'm a little nervous now. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. We say, well, this is what happened in the past, but we will see this happen again through his son, Jesus Christ, who will reign and make all things right. Look at Zechariah 12.10. Zechariah 12.10. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him, as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. The reality is, at the end of the tribulation, they will see Jesus as their Messiah, which they should have done when he came the first time. Matthew chapter 12, we see a turning in Jesus' teaching because of the utter rejection of Him and the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And they, they, they should have accepted Him as He came in uh, on the triumphal entry, but they didn't. They rejected Him. Someday, they will mourn 
because they missed it. But now they see that Jesus is the Messiah. I love this. Revelation 1.7. Revelation 1.7. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him. So it is to be. Amen. Couldn't we just make it a lot more simple if we would believe today? Israel could have made it a lot more simple if they would have turned to the Messiah then. And so when they see the missed opportunities throughout history to turn to Jesus Christ, they will mourn. They will mourn because of not only their missed opportunity, but they see the Messiah, Jesus, who has done so many great things to redeem all of us. What He has done, the huge price that He paid. And we, we miss opportunities. As believers, oftentimes we're so confused and, and disoriented or, or we love the things around us and we don't do what we should do, what Jesus calls us to do. And when we see Him, let us not be people with regrets thinking, why didn't I redeem the time? Why didn't I take every moment captive living for Jesus. The whole world will mourn. And many of them, <laughs> if indeed it's true uh, that they don't turn to Him, will mourn for they will be judged. Isaiah 46.13 Isaiah 46.13 I didn't do a very good job putting the, the references on the projector today. I apologize. But Isaiah 46.13 I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion, Jerusalem, Israel, and my glory for Israel. Lord God loves Israel. Not because they are so special. Romans, when Paul speaks, not because they did anything special, but because God chose them. And so in conclusion, which is not the entire conclusion here. Hold on just a minute, okay, kids? To this truth, keep an eye on Israel and know that God is in control. And let's redeem the time. Let's, let's do our application here, okay? Let's do our application. In the bulletin insert, I have down a little list for you. Let's have confidence in the Lord. God is never surprised. And we may mourn about certain situations or certain people that should, should truly live for the Lord and, and they don't or, or they did something to tarnish the name of the Lord or we do something. But remember, God is in control. He's not confounded. His plan is not thwarted. Keep confidence in the Lord and also know that we're not alone. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. If you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Lord Jesus. And because of that, you are never, ever, ever kids. You're never alone. Trust in Jesus. Know He's with you. And have a plan in place. Have a plan in place. And that plan begins with love the Lord. <laughs> Every morning, who's top on your list? 
Sometimes I struggle. Maybe it's a little game. Maybe it's a cup of coffee. It's more important. But Jesus should be there first. Right? So are we reading in our Bibles? Are you? You see something on the news that scares you? You know where you could go? Right? Memorize Scripture. Man, what a comfort. Prayer. Okay, the Bible's out of reach. Think about that verse. Fall to your knees and pray. You don't have to be on your knees to pray. But get that picture. Pray wherever you are. And friends, let's reach the lost. Let's reach the lost. Love Israel. Love her people. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray that they turn to Jesus. And reach the lost. Let's go through the Romans road. All right, kids. I didn't do a children's sermon, but here we go. What's the problem with all of us? Anybody know? Anybody? We're all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans, up to this point, we see Paul laying out a very concise testimony or proclamation that, hey, we're all sinners. The world has rejected God. We're all sinners in need of salvation. So kids, let's all say this bad news. Bad news! Let's say it. Ready? One, two, three. Bad news. We're all sinners. Right? For all have sinned and fall. That's Romans 3.23. Romans 5.8. Maybe I got this out of the line. But, but God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet... What are we? And that's the what kind of news? Bad news. What did Jesus do? He died for us. Romans 5.8. Christ died for us. Even though we are sinners. What happens because we're sinners? Our wage, what we've earned, is not just a spanking. Eternal condemnation. And this death, the wages of sin is death, right? That's spiritual death, separation from God, and physical death. Physical death's coming. It's appointed once for men to die, and then comes the judgment. So we have physical death and eternal death. But, remember 5.8 and now 6.23, I would weave those together. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. But the free gift, or the gift, many translations say gift, NASB says free gift, it's free to us, it costs Jesus greatly. Right? Free gift of God is what? Eternal life in. That preposition is important. In. It's not in faith. It's not in works. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I like to throw in there and I don't know if we have, oh yeah, we do have the references down here. I'm probably blocking it for you. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That's not part of the Romans road, but uh, I love this verse and I can't get far from it. For by what? Works you are saved. By going to church you are saved. By being baptized. By, right? Isn't that what it says? Somebody said something, but I was talking so much. You know how a pastor is. Sometimes we talk so much we can't hear you. What did you say? Is that, isn't that the same thing? No. Grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. For by grace you have been saved through works. Maybe that's where the works comes in. 
No, faith. And that not of yourselves. Okay? There's more to that. We're so blessed. God's grace is so tremendous to bring us about to see our need. So this is the good news. Bad news, we are doomed. We are all sinners. We all deserve hell. Good news is, hey, God has given us His grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. There's that word gift again. Not as a result of what? So that. It's not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And the, You can't boast. You shouldn't boast. You shouldn't say, oh, look at me. Hey, look what I have. Look what I've earned. No, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. And even a lot of people can say, oh, look at my faith. Ah, it's still by grace. Let's be humble. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation so the idea is if you truly believe it works itself out and you're going to say it that's how i look at this passage if you truly believe it's not the other way around some people get that confused okay i need to profess it it never was in your heart you never really by the will uh by your person accepted and trusted in jesus so you need to trust in jesus and so it's by grace through what faith okay not even the works of proclaiming something it's really it has to come and begin with that faith that trusting in jesus christ i love romans 8 1 when you turn to jesus by faith therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are what in works that preposition is important in christ jesus and then we could go on Ephesians 2.10, Romans 12.1 and 2, we have purpose. But why did I share you this with you? Well, as we look at Israel, we know God's plans, not thwarted, keeping an eye on Israel, looking at all the things that happen over there. We can say God is still in control, but there should be urgency. The stage is being set. Things could happen, and we don't know how long we'll be here anyway. Right? Praise the Lord, we'll be raptured. And then the tribulation. But what are we doing in the meantime? I mean, we should have a sense of urgency. And as a kid, I had a sense of urgency. Hey, there's people in Israel now. And they're Israelites. And people are coming back into the land. And they're still coming back into the land. God's at work. And we may think that God doesn't work anymore. But look, God's at work. Every Jew that enters the land, I believe, God is at work. And so we need to have urgency saying, God wants me to work. Not to be saved. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by by grace, through faith, to do good works, to proclaim the message. And we need to tell people by our actions, our words, that, hey, what's the first thing? There's something about news I was saying. What is it? Bad news, good. That's easy. You can remember that, right? And we need Jesus. The good news, Jesus came and died. And by faith, we can be saved. So this is hope. And this is also 
as we see, look at Israel, that Israel exists and God's still at work, gives us hope. But we should have a plan to pursue Christ and to live for Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love You. We love You. We thank You. We love You. Help us to proclaim Your greatness and Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have young men come forward.